Welcome to my new podcast series on bits and pieces, thoughts, ideas, and insights around the topics of brand, strategy, design experience, technology, innovation, and transformation. Today with Nina Rike Dallermann, Strategy Director at What's Next Now. Hi, Nina. Hi, Dean. Nina used to be Chief Strategy Officer at DDB Germany. After that, she founded a network of freelance strategists before she became Strategy Director at What's Next Now, a boutique consultancy network. She is part-time lecturer at the University of Lucerne, systemic business coach and transformation facilitator, and last but not least, co-author of the book Wie Werte Marken stark machen. Nina, before we dive right in, I would like to start with a short Q&A session for our listeners to get an even better picture of who you are. Are you ready? Of course. Great. So, what is your favorite app? My favorite app is actually WhatsApp because I really use it every day. Um, that's something that's um, part of my everyday life. And for um, distractions, I um, very much refer to Instagram. So quite boring, but favorite. They're good ones, definitely. What is the most exciting trend not yet on the market? Oh, the most exciting trend not yet on the market, I really can't. <laughs> Um, because things that are not on the market are nothing that we can really talk about. Um, um, at least there must be something visible, some signs, otherwise it would not be a trend. So a trend I find exciting is anything that has to do with body hacking, for example, mm-hmm. uh, and making your body work better for yourself. So maybe monitoring blood sugar, food intake and so on. Um, but that's, of course, a large market already and it keeps on growing. So that's an interesting trend for me. That's that's what it is. Which brands molded you since childhood? Um, oh, since childhood, as, as I'm quite old by now, that's quite a lot oh, of brands. Um, so, um, looking back at childhood, definitely Sesame Street, Fueling Kids Curiosity, and um, I was an avid fan of Langnese ice cream, specifically Dolomiti and Brauner Bär. Um, in Germany, very well-known ice cream <laughs> tastes um, of my childhood, at least. Um, I, even as a child, I loved the Citroën DS, um, a car brand that for me reflects um, the automotive design of the 60s and 70s, which is very elegant and timeless. So, And, and moving onwards, um, brands like Apple, it was my first real computer and something I really um, stuck to through all the ages, um, no matter if they were great or halfway great. <laughs> um, so, of course, brands like Adidas and Nike, two rival sports brands um, that were always aspirational to me as a kid um, and also as a teenager. Um, and moving on in the car category, Mini is a brand that shaped me because I owned one of the original ones um, mm-hmm. as my first car. Um, mm-hmm. They seem really tiny now, and I spe- um, later on I owned um, a more recent version and loved both of them very much. So IKEA is definitely a brand that has influenced how we all design our homes. Um, and since I left home and whenever I have switched homes, which was quite often, I've continued to shop there. So no matter which country or city, they provide anything to create a home. So um, that's probably a brand that will keep on molding, not just my life um, and how <laughs> I see brands. So, um, And today I, I do have a sweet tooth for great household gadgets like KitchenAid, um, but also for fashion and luxury brands. Um, 
like Gucci or Prada or the smaller, lesser known Isabelle Marant. So um, I'm, I'm, I do um, track a lot of things <laughs> online and also on my favorite app, Instagram. So and very recently in my life, um, many younger tech brands have taken a place. So two I very much adore are, of course, Spotify and Sonos um, and the easy plug and play music entertainment that they offer. So. Um, and last but not least, of course, I was very much molded by the brands that I've worked with. So first and foremost, I did a lot of work for Telecom, Deutsche Telekom here, um, as I have a long time to look back on that I had pleasure working for and with them. So that's definitely a brand that has molded also my perspective on how we do brand and brand strategy. Um, and overall, I can just say that I have a true love for brands, small, large ones, cheap, expensive ones. Um, and I assume, I assume that we are all influenced by so many without even just knowing or consciously reflecting on it like we are doing it right now. So you're a true brand lover, I see, I see. And what was your best <laughs> brand experience so far? My best brand experience so far? Um, I think that's that's a very tough question. I couldn't answer that easily. Um, I think there's always a good brand experience when you use Amazon. You might not like it or not, but they do have something that is so seamless that it's definitely a very good brand experience. Yes. Are you a rule breaker? Um, I think you can break the rules once you know them. So um, once in a while, yes, I am a rule breaker. <laughs> can you give us an example? <laughs> Um, I'm definitely not a rule breaker when it comes to um, parking your car in the wrong place. I would never do that or I have a really hard time doing that. I instantly feel very, very um, conscious about that. So um, I think rule breaking, um, when I do research, I think um, sometimes you just break the rules um, or you invent new rules um, in qualitative research. You just um, find new ways to do things or to do, for example, to work in interviews. Um, I think very often um, you need to break rules when you do um, work on projects or maybe there are not even rules, they're just um, things that we assume are being rules and they're rather just like um, conventions and then you have to break conventions. Good point Nina and spontaneous answers A or B, are you a quick decision maker or a thorough overthinker? Um, I'm a quick decision maker. Book or Blinkist? Definitely book. Workaholic or nine to fiver? Um, maybe um, rather fusion, um, like a part-time workaholic. Fashion addict or come as you are? Oh, I'm fashion addict. <laughs> Trendsetter or wait and see adapter? Yeah, even though I might be a fashion addict, I'm definitely in a lot of tech things. I'm more of a wait and see adapter. So really depending on what we're talking about. And one thing you can't live without? Um, very dark chocolate, like 90% lint chocolate. I definitely can't live without. Oh, I can so much relate to that. Nina, being in the advertising agency for quite a while, how was, how has the role of strategy changed over time? Um, oh, the role of strategy keeps on changing, I think. Um, it, it's, it's something um, where I would say um, it, for very many agencies, strategy has been um, for a long time been something to sell ideas um, and to be something that you do as to be part of something that you actually want to sell. And I think um, over time it has become something that is more 
um, of a product itself or something that is valued a lot more um, and that um, agencies value a lot more today. And how has technology changed strategic work within agencies? And um, also, how has strategy, um, has the strategy of the companies you work for changed? How has technology changed um, our field of, um, of influence? Mm -hmm. um, I think in many ways, ever since I started working in advertising in the late 90s um, and recently even more so um, via, for example, AI. So technology has always been a driver in my field of work. So the, the internet research um, is something that became much more convenient for strategists. Um, but also brand communication and, and also brand building has changed extremely since I started my career, especially social channels have made a tremendous impact. So. Um, technology is a perfect companion in how we work um, as well. So especially during the pandemic, um, I think tech has created great ways to communicate, to collaborate, to network with each other. So even in our network, um, we have only started really networking and, and being closer together um, during the pandemic and um, due to the fact that everybody was on Zoom. So that's something um, I think that um, where technology played a very big part in making us able to work. Um, so, um, so we have moved a lot of things online and due to tech we can now do lectures and meetings, um, we can stage workshops um, um, online on Miro or making research via online interviews or digital questionnaires. So I really do love um, what um, technology added to our world. And in the course of the last 12 months, and it might be the same for you, um, we have all been not just discussing, but experimenting a lot more and um, integrating AI tools into our work from ChatGPT to Midjourney or Perplexity or Pi as little gadgets that we use in our daily work. Would you say that AI will cause the biggest disruption in our age and ages to come? Or are there other technologies, influences that are bigger causes for disruption? I think that's not a big secret. Um, everybody's talking about K um, AI being probably the biggest disruptor in the workforce at the moment and really challenging us to figure out what is something where we use K um, AI and where we rather um, actually have human skills um, in the forefront. Do you experience this working for your clients as well? How does um, technologies like AI change strategy um, on company side? I can't really say um, because um, the clients I work with are so different, they're small and large um, and some of them are very far away from technology and some are really tech driven. So that's not a one solution fits all or one, um, one level fits all there. Um, I think it is a part now where they start um, using it and um, I can give you an example last um, last December I was in a workshop with a client team and we had breakout sessions and they were actually allowed to use their computers and one team um, just decided by themselves that they now also integrate some AI and um, refer to ChatGPT as part of their little workshop breakout group and so um, they're all they're all actually I think on the same page and all in the stage of experimenting and and just trying what works and what actually adds some, some value to our work. And how was it? How turned it out? It must have been exciting. I, I, think it um, I think it was, first of all, it was interesting. There were three groups and only one had that idea. Um, so, and um, on the other hand, um, I think we, we would also have gotten a very nice um, 
result in the end without it. But I think it um, it brought something to the table that made it lighthearted um, also to talk about what came out of that, mm -hmm. um, because it's not a, a people work, um, something that came from, from a human mind, but something that can be criti criticized or be played around with because it's something where nobody feels um, touched if you say, well, we should maybe um, reformulate it or do something about it. Great. I like the human-machine interaction. I think there's a lot of positive aspects to be drawn out of it. So a lot to be seen in the future and experienced in the future. Um, I'm really excited about it and especially how it will change our consulting business as well. I mean, talking about chatbots, etc., PP, there's so much to be explored. But, um, well, sooner or later we'll all come to that and working more and more in this field of influence. Um, what are your strategic, uh, most favorite strategic tools, Nina, working on a daily business? Oh, I, I think it's something, um, there's so many um, tools that we have and um, there are just a few tools actually that I frequently use um, and I always adapt um, them to the task at hand. So I think um, strategists very often are good at coming up with further models or tools um, as a way to structure their thinking and make information better digestible or available for their audience. So um, two of them are the models that are also um, shaping my professional thinking about brand purpose or brand mission. Um, and I've outlined them or I've based our book on it. Um, mm -hmm. our, our value metrics, for example, mm -hmm. it gives insight into the very broad field of human values that are based on the work by Shalom Schwartz. So that's more than 80 um, actual um, words or values um, to work with. And that gives an example of how they're close together or further apart from each other. Um, and that helps me also to um, experience those values with clients or client teams. Um, mm -hmm. And the other tool or model that I like to work with is our value canvas, um, which is actually based on what most strategists or marketeers know as the four C's, so that you look at consumer, culture, company, and competition. Those four fields are, I think, something to always look at systematically um, to, in order to drive your own strategic decisions um, and to do so in a rigid form with a set of relevant questions um, to ask yourself or to ask maybe in the workshop or other um, stakeholders that makes to me the most sense. So co-creation is a huge and very valuable part of your um, customer relationship and working with customers. Oh, absolutely. I think um, it's very valuable to make people part of something, mm -hmm. um, to also feel um, that they have, um, they are part of the solution um, and also give their input and give their perspective. Um, it's not just good to have an outside perspective, but to have the inside perspective be part of what you then um, turn into the strategic um, work. So true. How do you integrate agile in your daily work? It's, it's funny that you're asking that because I've, I never really um, thought about that before. If, if that's what we do or is agile, but I think um, it definitely is. It's something um, that we do on a daily basis, um, starting out that we as a network are quite um, agile in the way we work together, that we are not an actual company with employees, but we are a network of freelancers who get together um, when they feel it's, it's a good part to work together. Um, 
and what I think what we always need to be aware of when we talk about agile and um, I've heard that work a lot in projects and very often it's just a code work to be more flexible and to keep adapting to every changing time frame so um, if we really talk about real agility um, I think we need to be aware it's like um, those different agile models of work and for example um, I've also trained in design thinking um, and do use some of the methodology from it um, or I do use Kanban boards um, for my projects so um, but as I said very often I don't even consider it as something yeah. specifically agile it's so common by now and um, I think that's a very overused word and also a word that's um, not so um, I think it's not so fashionable anymore to use it um, so um, a lot of but these yes, tools are something we just do every day so it comes yes. naturally yeah it comes very yes. naturally in the design thinking process or also in the process how we stage it um, we, ha we usually work in four different phases um, where we more work in, in research phases or in phases where we get together which we call a dream phase um, um, where we get together with client teams also um, and then moving that further and further in the process it's it's always it's a sprint um, it has different parts um, we aim to make it quick um, and um, decision oriented and also very um, with enough food for thought for everyone um, so that is agile in itself. So being a network of um, agencies, strategists, consultants, would you say that flexibility is one of your biggest USPs in the market? Oh, definitely. I think um, we are more flexible because we can adapt to, um, to the task at hand. Um, we can get together um, with different specialists out of our network. There's def definitely people who do, for example, automotive better than I do. So we would always do a project then together. Or there's some task where we think it's better to get some creatives on board right away um, to do copywriting or specifically to do um, design work um, because a lot of strategic work obviously will transfer into what then um, has a different CI or design guidelines or also other um, creative impact and so we adapt everything um, to what's the task and we need to be flexible there. And how does your company stand out in an environment of increasing competition in this respect? Um, I think it's um, the seniority that we have. Uh, we are definitely more senior um, and being more senior allows us to have a fresh and also a weathered look at things. Um, there's, there's different ways on how to stand out. And I think standing out is also to be a listener first, um, asking a lot of questions, um, not um, aiming to be the know-it-all um, and being attentive to what's the right solution for the client. And who would you say is your biggest or will be your biggest um, future competitor? Um, maybe actually in a lot of ways, um, AI will be a competitor um, from a client perspective and I think it can also at the same time be a very great ally. So I'm striving to make it an ally, not a competitor. Very good answer, very good answer. Um, mm, tell me, what was your boldest decision so far in your life and do you regret it? 
it's interesting that you ask about bold decisions um, and I think very very often um, things that others might see as bold they don't even seem bold to yourself so um, for example um, I was very successfully working at DDB for over seven years as their chief strategy officer. Um, we had turned around the agency within that time and had built a great team, not just of creatives, but also of strategists across all our three German offices. So um, actually, um, it was a time to be striving and happy, but um, I was actually missing something. And um, that was that I needed to further explore new territories from my um, personal point of view. So I decided to quit. Um, without completely knowing for me so and after more than five years I can I can say I did not regret moving on and jumping off that cliff and and actually taking such a um, from many perspectives bold decision um, as I've learned over time that I need to be in an environment that triggers my curiosity and, and offers um, food for thought and um, food for learning experiences what will be your next role step future perspective then what do you jump into where are we going to see you in the next three to five years what's out mm. there i think there's still so much out there um uh and things are moving and changing so so fast um i can honestly not look into the future um or have a crystal ball um that will tell me where i am <laughs> in the future so uh, what I do know, what I actually have learned, and that's um, also um, a result of many years of experience, is that I always want and need to build my work on my actual core strength. And I've said it's, um, which are, these are integral to me to be productive. So my curiosity, my love of learning, um, and my personal optimism, they've always been very strong drivers for me. Um, and they actually uh, probably will keep on being that. So um, you will always find me in an environment um, that might have some unknown um, territories for me, something that I haven't done before, hopefully, um, and where I can um, experience and learn new things. Great. So talking about glass bowls, um, what still needs to be invented? Mm. What needs to be invented? Um, I think there's there's a lot of things that need to be invented. Um, I think one of the core things, and that's definitely not something that has to do with technology um, at first, is a way to make people understand and respect each other better. And so to live and accept differences outside of our um, individual bubbles. So living with complexity, not losing um, our minds and not um, losing hope um, will be something that we all need to train and learn. So I think that needs to be invented. Maybe ways that um, will help <laughs> us do that better, easier, faster. Um, the boom of all these um, mindfulness apps, I think that's a hint that there is something um, that actually needs to be invented, but it lies probably in ourselves. Very good. Very good answer, Nina. And last but not least, what is the one question you always wanted to answer in an interview? <laughs> I think that's, that's probably questions that are never going to be asked um, from brand strategists, like probably something in the line of what will be the next movie we will see you star in, or oh. um, how do you do it, deal with all the fame and fortune. So um, mm -hmm. I think, um, real yeah, so realistically, um, there's a lot of questions you could probably ask me um, where I would be stunned that you will ask something like that. Um, but there's nothing where I would say um, this is something I want to answer and nobody has ever asked <laughs> But I will still um, ask you the question, what will be your next movie? 
The next movie um, I will be watching is probably no, no, something. No, no, you will be starring. In... <laughs> <laughs> I will be starring um, and probably in some home movies um, filmed with uh, with an iPhone here um, uh, in Berlin um, or uh, maybe in Turkey where I have a second home. So um, you'll probably see me in those movies. Um, and the only uh, outlet where you can see them will probably be Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Indulging a dark chocolate. <laughs> well, probably will... that will also play a part. Yeah, <laughs> I will definitely watch Jane Nina. It was so good talking to you, and we definitely need to follow up on that. There are so many questions I would love to answer, but um, we need to postpone to the next podcast. I would say. So yeah, that was fun, Nadine. <laughs> Great, dear listeners. So far, so good. Stay tuned for the next bites. And in the meantime, feel free to like, share, and above all, follow up on Spotify, Amazon, Apple Music, WhatsApp, Insta, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Here's Markenfeld.